it's one thing to have a great investigations process, and we've seen a lot of companies putting a lot of energy into that over the years. But what does that close, post-close process look like? Where does it live? How are you making sure it's actually happening? Are you sending audit out to make sure that any kind of control issues that were identified during an investigation? That was Erica Salmon Byrne, president of Ethisphere, who joins me this week to talk about the Ethisphere 2023 World's Most Ethical Company application process, which was opened last month. We talk about the application process, what's changed this year, what are the benefits for going through the application process, and why your company should consider joining this process. I know you will find it useful. The FCPA Compliance Report is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. We're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Susanna Hammond. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Welcome back for another episode. Today, I'm thrilled to have back with me my good friend and colleague, Erica Salmon-Byrne, who is with Ethisphere. And we're here to announce, really, I can't tell you how much I enjoy these podcasts with you, but we're here to announce the 2023 World's Most Ethical Application Process. And we can say a whole lot, and we have, about the World's Most Ethical Company, the process, the awards, the rigor Ethisphere has to go through, but... I really appreciate the application process as much as anything. So I'm thrilled to be able to talk to you about that. I see that as just a huge plus for everyone involved. And I know you see the big picture, so you see a whole lot more. But with that incredibly long-winded introduction, <laughs> welcome back. Tom, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to uh, to chat with you about my favorite topic and yours. The Tell us about the opening of the application process and maybe just start from the beginning. What is the application process? Yeah, applications are now open. We opened the process on the 18th of August. So we're all very excited about that. The process itself is largely the same as in prior years with some really critical updates that we've made because we've been listening to the community about the application process over the course of the last several years. For those of you who are new, World's Most Ethical Companies application process is an annual process we go through every year. We say it's 2023 because that's when we'll announce the awardees in in the early part of 2023, but we get going on the process in August. And so the first step in the process, of course, is to express your interest. And you can do that by going to worldsmostethicalcompanies.com, which is our WME website, and clicking on the button to say express interest in the process. And that will take you to the application guide. And I cannot tell you enough how important it is to spend some time with the application guide, because my team has put an enormous amount of energy into developing that guide. And it is going to tell you a couple of critical things. First, of course, who's eligible? Right. So there are eligibility criteria that we use in the evaluation process and look at different categories of entities that are not eligible to participate. So the first thing you want to do is make sure that you're expressing interest on behalf of an eligible entity. The second is it will walk you through the ethics quotient, which is, of course, the baseline survey that we use for all of the data collection we do here at Ethisphere. And Tom, maybe in a little bit, we can talk about some of the updates we've made to the ethics quotient this year. Absolutely. We've spent a lot of time updating the survey over the course of the year. The application guide contains, as it always does, an annotated version of the EQ. So you can look at it and say, oh, wow, Ethisphere updated X compared to last year, or that's a new question, or that's a question that left. And it will give you a sense of where we're focusing the survey for this year. 
There's documentation guidance because part of the process of applying is you need to submit documentation for us to review to verify your answers as part of the application process. And we've tried to get more and more granular with the documentation guidance over the years so that people really understand what it is we're looking for, the format in which we need it, and most importantly, what not to trouble yourself giving to us because we're not asking for you to vomit all of your stuff up on us. We're very strategic in the things that we're asking to see and that is all laid out in the documentation guidance. This year, Tom, I'm really excited because we have some technology updates to the application process. We are using a new portal as part of the application process itself, and it's going to do a couple of really critical things. First, for the first time, you can have more than one person participate in the survey to help you complete the survey on behalf of your organization. So let's say you're a compliance officer and you're interested in applying for World's Most Ethical, and you take a look at the application guide and you open up the annotated ethics quotient, and the first thing you say to yourself is, oh, no. That's a lot of ESG questions. I don't know though I don't know those answers, right? In years past, you would have had to mark up the PDF or start an Excel sheet to get those answers so that everything could be entered by one person on behalf of the company. The new portal we're using now allows you to send a section. So you take the sustainability section of the survey and you say, I'm gonna send these to my sustainability officer. You take the procurement questions in the survey and you can say, I'm going to send these to my procurement officer. So that's a technology update that we've made this year that I'm personally pretty excited about because I think it's going to make the process of applying a lot easier on people. Could you tell us a little bit about the five weighted categories? Yeah, absolutely. So there are five things that we look at during the course of the evaluation process. The largest weighting is given to your ethics and compliance program, the quality of the program that you have designed and put in place to mitigate, Tom, what you and I often call people-created risk, right? So the risk of your people out there in the world doing something that they shouldn't be doing that you don't know about. So that's 35% of the way. We increasingly over the course of the years have been looking more seriously at what we now call impacts, which is basically the way in which you are impacting and benefiting the communities in which you are operating. You can think of this as the stakeholder section, or you can think of this as the ESG section of the survey. So that is the impact. What we In the survey itself, you're going to see the language as We look at your culture because, of course, that's a critically important process of the evaluation piece. And that is both how are you measuring your culture, how are you supporting your culture, and particularly how are you training the very best carriers of your culture, which is your managers, right? So there's a whole section in the survey on manager training. That all is part of your culture. We look at your governance practices. How are you training your board? How are you onboarding new directors? What kind of orientation processes are they going through? What is your proxy access process like? How diverse is your board? Things along those lines. And then ISR independently does a reputation review, and that's 10% of the score. What are some of the changes specifically for 2023? You mentioned the portal, yep. but what are some of the changes to the ethics quotient and the new and revised inquiries? Yeah, so there are a couple of key areas, Tom, that I'm particularly excited about because of the data that they're going to give us. So there are a series of new questions that we are asking about the way a company is thinking about and handling its investigations process. So we have really been looking at the language that's come out of the EU whistleblower directive, a lot of the conversations that we've had with the companies that we work with inside of the broader ethics and compliance community, some of the experts that we consult with on our WME methodology committee, and all of those groups have really been talking about and thinking about a lot the way that the investigations process runs, particularly what does your post-investigation disciplinary process look like? As a lot of companies are still leaving discipline to the decision of human resources or even the business unit in the event of substantiated misconduct. So 
How do you make sure that discipline is roughly calibrated across the organization so that like situations are treated alike? And then how do you follow up to make sure the discipline actually happens? It's one thing to have a great investigations process, and we've seen a lot of companies putting a lot of energy into that over the years. But what does that post-close process look like? Where does it live? How are you making sure it's actually happening? Are you sending audit out to make sure that any kind of control issues that were identified during an investigation are fixed? All of those kinds of pieces. That's an area we're going to have some new data on, which I'm really excited about. We've updated the questions on manager training again this year. Those of you out there who are listening to this, who have spent a lot of time applying for World's Most Ethical over the years, know that we've been adding manager training questions over and over again. Part of that is because our culture data tells us that managers are the most likely source for an employee to raise a concern with. Uh, Employees globally are six times more likely to go to their manager in our data set than they are to call the hotline. They're three times more likely to go to HR than the hotline, but they're six times more likely to go to their manager. So really making sure that you have prepared managers to handle that influx of employee complaints is a big focus of the survey this year, even more so than in prior years that people might have been looking at it. We added some questions on risk assessment, and we totally rewrote the whole section on gifts and entertainment because people are starting to travel again, and it was really time to give those questions an update. Those are just a few of the areas that I'm particularly excited about in the survey that we've changed this year. Erica, hopefully listeners to this podcast will recall my most recent podcast with you where we got to talk about the sphere. And so I was really intrigued to ask you how you think the creation and rollout of the sphere is going to enhance the world's most ethical application process and provide yet additional resources for compliance officers and companies who wish to apply. Yeah, no, it's a great question, Tom. And it's incredibly strongly connected in my mind, at least. When I talk to companies over the years who have never participated in the world's most ethical companies process, the reason that I most commonly get as to why they haven't done so is one of two things. I know I'm not ready, so I'm not going to throw my hat in the ring until I feel like I'm ready. Or I looked at the survey and it's totally overwhelming. And what the sphere does is it addresses both of those things. So if you don't think you're ready, go benchmark your gaps and see how far you have to go. What are your key areas? How do you get data to make the changes that you need to be able to, at some point, throw your hat in the ring for consideration? Overwhelmed by the survey? Totally get it. But go look in the sphere and see how valuable the data is. And then you can even take the survey in sections if you want to, right, to get the information that you need to be able to improve your program. So I hope that the introduction of the sphere demystifies the WME process a little bit, allows people to really engage with the question set and the information in the data set, and just gives them a little bit of a sense of directionally the kinds of practices we see some of these incredible companies engaging in so that they can get inspired on. What when does the application process end, Erica? So applications are due on the 18th of November. And so that means that you have filled out your ethics quotient and submitted the survey uploaded the documentation that is that we are looking for into the portal, and everything's now in, in the application portal. So the survey's in the portal, documentation's in the portal, and then the EQ fee, which is basically a small way of starting to offset the amount of work that we do to review the applications, That all of that has to be submitted by the 18th in order for us to put you into the process. Erica, if a compliance officer wanted more information on this process or to take a look at the sphere, what would be the best way for them to do? You can definitely go to worldsmostethicalcompanies.com and express initial interest and get that application guide if you're particularly interested in taking a look at that. You can also, of course, go to ethosphere.com. Both the sphere and WME are on our homepage. If you wanted to get a little bit of a, a broader ethosphere perspective, 
I will be writing and tweeting about this. And I'm um, at eSalmonBurn on Twitter um, and at Erica Salmonburn on LinkedIn. We're going to be talking about the power of the process throughout the course of the fall because I'm particularly excited by the number of companies expressing interest this year that have never expressed interest before. I love getting fresh companies into the mix because we always learn cool things from them. And then we can share that more broadly. Because at the end of the day, Tom, that's really what all this is about. We are celebrating companies that are doing it well and cross-pollinating those practices as thoroughly as we possibly can to make sure that really all of the boats are rising with the tide. Erica, this is, uh, I'm not quite sure how many years we've had 16. this podcast. 16. Well, I, that wasn't the question I was going to okay. ask. No, I'm not quite sure how many years you and I have done a podcast at the start of the application process, but I do know we've never done one this early. Yeah. And so that leads me to say, perhaps I could ask you to come back in October or a little bit later in the process, see where we are. And if any questions or other concerns have bubbled up, we could take a look at them then and uh, perhaps encourage those who may not have thought about things until October to start thinking about them, if that would be acceptable. I would love to do that, Tom. You have obviously a broad network of listeners. So any of your listeners that have questions that you'd like me to answer, let's do a mailbag episode, Tom. And people can send me questions on the WME. And I'd I'd be happy to come back. If they wanted to send you a question on the WME, what would be the best way for them to do? So they can email me at iamerica.salmonburn, salmon like the fish, burn like David Burn of Talking Heads. At ethosphere.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Send me a DM there. You can DM me on Twitter. I'm, we're happy to take any and all questions. If you have application specific questions, you can email the world's WMEC applications at ethosphere.com. And the team, the review team, is going to be responding to those over the course of the next several months. We'd love your questions. Love to hear your questions. Happy to respond to anything that uh, people are wondering, hey, why on earth did you adopt the NASDAQ diversity standards for board evaluations? Those are the kinds of questions I love digging into, so send them my way. Erica, thanks so much, and I look forward to continuing the conversation on the application process this year. Absolutely. Thanks, Tom. This is Tom Fox again. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. I'd like to tell you about a great new podcast series on the award-winning compliance podcast network, The Corruption Files where with Hughes Hubbard partner Mike DeBernardis, we take a look at some of the most significant FCPA and anti-corruption enforcement actions over the past 15 years in this modern era of FCPA and anti-corruption enforcement. I know you'll enjoy this series, and I hope you'll check it out. The Corruption Files on the Compliance Podcast Network, Megaphone, iTunes, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.